Looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Good morning and welcome to another interactive installment of African Dialogue. You're listening to Channel Africa, once again your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama and let me remind you of our frequency once again at this time. Our frequency is currently 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we are discussing, is democracy working in Africa? That's our main question today. So we'll really elaborate on that particular topic after this uh, bulletin from uh, Amanda Machaka. Top stories, Liberian president announces a nighttime curfew in a beach to stem the deadly Ebola outbreak. The extradition hearing of one of Lesotho's most wanted fugitives is expected to continue today in the Deben Regional Court in South Africa. And a new underwater hunt for the missing Malaysia airline has a reasonable chance of finding the plane. You are listening to African Dialogue. Remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. A thank you to Amanda Majaka for our news. The time right now is exactly seven minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Remember, we want to hear from you, so do interact with us. And because we are uh, not uh, getting calls in live, you can SMS us. You can SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. I think today we are discussing a topic that has been explored many times about the continent of Africa. Today we're asking this pertinent question which still needs to be answered. Is democracy working in Africa? Now in the early 1990s multi-party democracy has swept across uh, the continent as a way of uh, authoritarian leaders bowing to pressure from inside and outside of their respective countries. However, over the years the process of democracy on the continent has been 
been compromised and we have seen a rise in democratic discontent and this has been accompanied by diminishing confidence in core political institutions in various African countries. Now today in African Dialogue, as I mentioned, we're asking this question, is democracy being implemented effectively on the continent? Now to help us uh, for this particular uh, discussion, we have Elisa Low Vaudrum, who is an independent uh, uh, specialist really on pan-African issues as well as um, advocate Johan Kruger, who's the director for the Center for Constitutional Rights at the FWD Clerk Foundation. Now, I want to start this conversation with you, Liesel. Now, democracy can be defined as the government of the people. We've heard the sentiment that it's the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And in a nutshell, is rulership by the people. Would you agree with this particular notion? And what's your uh, view in terms of how democracy is expressed in various African countries? Yes, good morning. That is quite a a hefty issue, um, and especially in the African context, I see. I think we've seen various variants of uh, the democratic system. As you said, in some countries it has been compromised because we've seen a veneer of democracy, and that the institutions like the electoral system and um, independent electoral commissions have been questioned because they were not uh, independent and that politicians and authoritarian politicians, those who were supposedly ousted in uh, the early 1990s, have made a comeback and basically controlled the the democratic institutions. I think that's the one issue. The other issue, I think that many African leaders are using now as a justification for, for authoritarian systems is to say, look at China, look at Asia, economic development must come first and then democracy. Places like Ethiopia where we've seen an economic boom that is certainly not, uh, cannot really be described as a democracy today. That's the, the other debate I think around democracy is looking at economic growth and whether democracy um, is actually hampering economic growth. Um, some definitely would would argue that democracy is essential for the, for economic growth. Well, uh, now coming back to you, uh, maybe starting with you, Advocate mm-hmm. Johan Kruger, uh, looking at uh, this idea of democracy, we know that when we look at democracy uh, in the continent, we know that South Africa is usually highlighted as one that is an example or a beacon of uh, uh, democracy for the continent because of the strength and the reputation it has because of its electoral process. But uh, in the last few years, we have seen social unrest and a bit of a civil society challenging uh, the way governance is conducting its matters. What's your view on uh, South Africa's democracy as an example for the rest of the continent? Yes, yes morning. I think the first important part to, to take note of in relation to South Africa is that we've got a very particular kind of democracy. We have a constitutional democracy. That means we not only adopt democracy by way of representation, mm-hmm. but we're also a democracy that, that's governed in, by way of, of a constitution and the supremacy of rule of law, which means essentially that over and above the fact that, that we have a democracy in which the people can choose their representatives, 
the power of those representatives are being limited by way of a constitution. The, the representatives, once they've been elected, cannot do as they please. They must act within the perimeter of our constitution. Now, that's a very important point to, to take note of when you look at the, the, the South African environment. The second part, and, and that is perhaps where we are going slightly astray in South Africa at the moment, is the notion that our multi-party democracy must be based on the values of accountable, responsive, and transparent government or open government. So once you have representation, once you've elected representatives to represent you, those representatives must act in a manner that's accountable. They must be able to, to explain why they do certain things. They must be responsive in a manner that they react to, to questions from, from the electorate and from, from society. And they must be open and transparent in a manner that they, that they govern the country. Now, to a large extent, what we've been seeing uh, in, in South Africa, especially in discontent with regard to uh, unemployment, with regard to social development, would be a deterioration of accountable, responsive, and transparent government, a manner where government would act in a way where they are unable to explain themselves or explain themselves sufficiently uh, to, to the people, or they would just fail to respond at all. They, they would just not reply to concerns of, of the citizens, uh, trans, uh, very much transpiring on issues such as service delivery. And then, of course, in the matter of transparent and open government, where uh, all the more we see the tendency in South Africa's government to hide behind secrecy uh, and hide behind classified information for the sake of protecting allegedly corrupt and, and other illegal activities. All of those add, add to, to the discontent that we see in South Africa. All of those elements add to the fact that the, the people elected in the first part of democracy, representative democracy, who elect the people to, to represent them, now start to lose trust in those representatives. And what we are seeing to a large extent is the second part of democracy, which is participatory democracy. The citizens now not just waiting for election to election to election, but engaging with their, their representatives in between elections, or by chair and in a, in a rather unruly and, and unlawful manner. But uh, this is very much democracy at work within the framework of our, of our Constitution, although there are serious questions to be asked with regard to, to adherence to the values of, of our Constitution. I think you bring uh, uh, very much strong points there. The time right now is uh, 15 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. And uh, in terms of uh, looking at this particular issue, maybe when we come back after the short break, I want to know from maybe our guests, the issue highlighted there seems to be around uh, rule of law, accountability, freedoms of association. And as we've heard there uh, from the advocate is that uh, it seems that democracy goes beyond uh, free and fair ballots. But what's your view as the listener? Do you think that democracy is working in Africa? Let us know your thoughts. SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. For on the line we have Lisa Law Vordrum who is an independent specialist on Pan-African issues as well as advocate Johan Kruger, the director for the Center for Constitutional Rights at the FWD Clerk Foundation. We'll be back after this short break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
This is Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us via a shortwave service or online, you are streaming us live on www.channelafrica.org. Today, uh, we're looking at uh, this uh, very much uh, uh, utilized theme. Is democracy working in Africa? And that's what we want to uh, zoom into today with our guests. We have Lisa Law. Vodrum, who is uh, an independent specialist on Pan-African issues, as well as advocate Johan Kruger, the director for the Center for Constitutional Rights at F.W. de Klerk uh, Foundation. Now, uh, I asked a pertinent question before we uh, went to that particular break, Liesel, in terms of uh, does democracy go beyond free and fair ballots? Uh, We've seen a trend on the continent that uh, uh, we've seen some African countries adopting uh, the system of uh, elections and uh, trying their best in, in, in their own uh, views in order to make sure that they adopt a multi-party democracy. Uh, do you think that uh, after the elections have taken place, we should go beyond another level in terms of how we exercise democracy on the continent? Yes, absolutely. Um, as Advocate Clear was saying earlier, you know, participatory democracy is really what we're seeing. And if we look at 2011, the Arab Spring, um, that was really essentially the heart of it, individuals wanting better representation, wanting a say in how they are being governed, and en masse um, took to the streets. We've actually seen lately in, in other countries that are authoritarian that where there is no democracy um, in places like Angola, for example, civil society groups, Trying, I mean, many of them not succeeding, um, being put into jail. Journalists have been uh, jailed as well, um, and and there's little freedom of speech in countries like that. They have tried to emulate what had happened in the during the Arab Spring. Of course, now we know um, that uh, it went wrong in many places, but in countries like Tunisia. Uh, individuals and civil society groups feel that they have achieved a revolution, really, and that uh, there is now a semblance of democracy in places like that, although the, you know, the Arab uh, uh, North African countries have got their own issues in terms of Islamic extremists and so on. But, um, but definitely going beyond the elections, but I, I'm not even sure that if we look at the rest of the continent, we even there yet, because the actual electoral process, um, you know, is so problematic. Now, uh, a phenomenon this year, these last couple of months and weeks in many African countries is uh, they're coming up for presidential elections, and in many places, Burkina Faso, the DRC, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, the heads of state and the ruling parties are now trying to change the constitutions so that the mandates of the current president um, can be can be renewed, you know, um, and they can stay on for a third term. So we're actually still there trying to establish some kind of um, electoral system. 
And uh, that's very interesting indeed. Advocate Johan Kruger, in terms of what uh, Liesel is highlighting, it's very significant when you look at the democratic process, especially of uh, the election electioneering, rather. Uh, I mean, we've seen examples like uh, President Museveni, who won four elections, and also changing the constitution to allow himself an unlimited number of terms. This is very problematic for this process of democracy, isn't it? Absolutely, and, and regardless of, of which country's constitution you may be looking at, the, the notion behind a constitution is, is the fact that it's an agreed settlement, it's an agreement, it's a, so, a social compact between the, the people of the country to act in a particular way. And, and I mean, that normally precedes the, the, the notion of rule of law and, and democratic institutions that would support and uphold the constitution of any country as, as the supreme law. Uh, once you start tinkering with, with the Constitution for the sake of own personal gain or party gain, and it's an essential uh, breach of, of social compact uh, with, within a particular nation. If, if you need to amend the Constitution beyond the, 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 the basic construct of that, such a Constitution, for instance, the, the, the term of a president or the, the term of, of parliament, you, you're starting to, to mess around with the very basics and the very fiber of, of a democratic constitutional, uh, constitutionality of, of, of a state. And, and that, is, that is severe. It's, it's, it's not a matter uh, to, to be taken lightly. And, and it moves into to the second domain where you have to have democratic institutions in particular independent judiciary, that's then able to consider the amendment of such a constitutional change, to consider whether that constitutional amendment, whether done correctly according to the Constitution, is in essence unconstitutional because it, it, it really destroys the fiber of, of the social compact. Once you lose the independence of your democratic institutions, especially the judiciary, the institutions that may appoint uh, judges to the bench, your national prosecuting authority and security services, once you politicize those, those organizations and lose the independence of, of the judiciary and, and, and the likes, uh, you, you're entering serious, serious uh, troubled waters with regard to stability of a constitutional democracy or any democracy for that matter. Yeah, indeed. And uh, it seems like there's been a lot of uh, complaints and many people saying that democracy is a mirage on the continent. But in terms of uh, that particular leadership role that uh, presidents are playing on the continent, I think it's a bit problematic looking at uh, the reputation that they have, Liesel. I mean, Cameroon's president, Paul Biya, has also removed term limits and former Nigerian president, Olesegun Obasanjo, unsexfully and or unsuccessfully rather tried to do the same. How do we maintain this uh, status quo that we have currently that presidents should have a limited term? I mean, uh, it was shocking the other day that uh, President Robert Mugabe was appointed chair of the SADC uh, grouping despite the reputation that he has. Yes, uh, it, is a, it is a very tricky issue and I think we should look um, as well at the individual countries. Um, you know, fortunately, in our region, um, in SADC, there is um, Namibia and Mozambique. Both countries are having presidential elections this year, and the leaders are stepping down. So that, that is a good example. Zimbabwe, I have a feeling President Robert Mugabe is almost untouchable, um, and that the other leaders in the region just, uh, you know, because of his liberation credentials and the way he is, don't dare speak up 
um, and that he's almost on his way out at the age of 90. So, you know, they, they are, they're hesitant to speak up about uh, Mugabe, but that is actually within the framework of the African Union um, and, and even outside partners, although, you know, one hesitates to advocate uh, international intervention, but in a place like the DRC, um, we saw uh, um, the, the Secretary of State John Kerry the other day in uh, the DRC saying, you know, term limits should be respected and the Constitution should be respected. A very, very clear message from the U.S. to say to President Kabila that he, uh, you know, shouldn't change the Constitution to stay on for a third term. So, I mean, there are those two options, I think, in terms of international intervention. There's the African Union, which clearly has uh, a rule against unconstitutional change of government, although it has um, made an exception for Egypt now lately. But if the African Union can stand up and say to other African leaders, respect your constitution, that will go a long way. And then, yeah, there are the international partners who after all have a say because they give a lot of aid to Africa and and they could put pressure on some leaders to respect their constitutions. Now we also joined on the line by Dr. Buleng Lengkabula, who is a Dean of Students at the University of South Africa. Doctor, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, good day to you and to your listeners and the panelists. Is there any panelists? Yeah, uh, Doctor, we were really looking at uh, the trends in terms of some concerns in terms of the uh, the democratization process on the continent, looking at some uh, challenges that we are facing. And one of those that I want to highlight now as we move on is uh, uh, the freedom of expression clause that is part of uh, the idea of uh, democracy. There has been a hampering on media and freedom of expression on various African cont- African countries. What are your views there? Uh, I, I'd like to to accede uh, to to some extent that uh, the notion of media expression uh, might receive uh, a number of challenges in some countries. Mm. However, uh, the notion of freedom of expression without accountability and the responsible citizenship within a country, a continent, or even in the global community would, it would be a fallacy if it's, uh, if it's, if, if it's used to just uh, promote discord in society, to undermine social cohesion, to undermine the evidence that uh, democratic gains or the consolidation of democracy articulates in a society. So I want to, to argue that uh, freedom of expression is an interesting element of entrenching democracy. Mm. And freedom of expression should be guarded in the most, uh, as one of the central tenets of any flourishing society or any democratic dispensation. Mm. However, the contestation on what accounts for freedom of expression in ways that build a coherent society, the democratic development of the society, is something that uh, we should not take for, 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 for granted. Mm. And, and, and you would see, uh, for example, in those communities where uh, freedom of expression is negated, 
there is social discord because then people resort to violence to express their discontent, be it on economic policies or political policies or on any policy that people are, are finding does not resonate with the issues that they raise. Mm. Well, uh, I think you, you're raising a, a different dynamic as well, a very important dynamic. But I want us to deal with that. How do you create a balance whereby we have, uh, uh, we maintain a kind of uh, constructive freedom of expression process in democracy? And, and how do we actually make sure that we manage that well in terms of not infringing on the citizens' uh, uh, freedom as well? But uh, after this break, we'll come back to that particular question. But if you are listening to us, what do you think about this discussion? Do you think that democracy is working in Africa? Let us know your thoughts by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. You are listening to African Dialogue. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, this is African Dialogue. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Today we are discussing that pertinent question, is democracy working in Africa? And uh, we have uh, a couple of guests on the line. We have Lisa Lowe uh, uh, Vaudrum, who's uh, the independent specialist on Pan-African issues, and uh, she's worked on uh, various platforms and is very much of an expert on these issues, as well as advocate Johan Kruger, the director for the Center for Constitutional Rights at the FWD Clark Foundation. Uh, joining us now we also heard the voice of Dr. Puleng Lenkabula who is a Dean of Students at the University of South Africa. Now advocate there is a very much uh, interesting point there that was brought by uh, uh, Dr. Lenkabula there about uh, how uh, freedom of expression is more complex than we see it that sometimes it can disrupt social coercion and some people can use uh, freedom of expression as a resort to violence in your view how do we balance this out because sometimes we've seen this excuse used by politicians to really uh, hamper people who are expressing views that uh, may be uh, of value to the construction of democracy in a society. Yes, yes, absolutely. Freedom of expression is is one of the fundamental freedoms and and fundamental human rights enshrined in the South African Constitution and various international human rights documents. It is, it is, it is absolutely part of the notion of freedom with, within a democracy based on rule of law. Uh, and it goes hand in hand with our constitutional values pertaining to accountable responses and open government. You cannot have any one of those three without freedom of expression, the ability to, to say something and the ability to, to highlight concerns. However, and I fully agree with Dr. Lambagula that um, you cannot use that in terms of our constitution to advocate hate speech, to advocate war, uh, and, and to, to advocate uh, any form of, of discontent with regard to 
to, to, to violence. That, that's not allowed. And, and the balance as with any of our, our rights and our Bill of Rights is not absolute. It must be a balance in terms of how you express yourself, how do you make use of that right in a way that would not uh, result in hate speech or, or war incitement of, of violence. However, you cannot limit freedom of speech in the interest of finding that balance uh, for the sake of saving government embarrassment or wrongdoing or hiding any form of unlawful activity. That, that does not form part of a legitimate way of, of limiting uh, the right to freedom of expression. But it, freedom of expression, of course, goes hand in hand with responsibility and the responsibility to, to, to express yourself in a manner that would lead to unity and in, in diversity, especially in diverse societies like in South Africa, but also elsewhere in the continent. It, it, is, it is, as with any other, any other human right, a right that must be balanced with all other rights. In the manner that you use your right to freedom of expression, it will certainly infringe upon the right of dignity, the right of, of, of uh, any other uh, person in, in a manner that must be finding a common balance in order to affect it appropriately. Now, freedom of expression has been expressed uh, in various ways on the continent. Uh, Liesel highlighted the Arab Spring earlier on, and we've seen protests as well for service delivery in South Africa. Uh, Liesel, in terms of the new agenda on uh, the continent, do you think this idea of uh, development and uh, um, maybe... uh, uh, making sure that we have societies that are actually fulfilling the needs of the people is being met by contemporary leaders on the continent? Yes, that, that is a very good question. As I said right in the beginning, there is this uh, important debate, I think, about um, the developmental state, uh, some leaders in the African Union sometimes refer to it, comparing Africa to China's development trajectory which didn't really include human rights and uh, individual rights and we see China prospering or with huge growth rates and and Africa not and so the argument would be if you have people protesting in the streets if you have the Arab Spring and it'll put the continent backwards Um, but I think that's that's highly highly debatable Um, you know the, the the more the examples just are, are so wide in, in the West, but also in, in, in many Asian countries. Um, Greg Mills, who is from the Oppenheimer Foundation, has just brought out a 600-page book on failed states and why some states uh, succeed to, to overcome failure. And he clearly points out that many places like Singapore and other states have, have managed to grow. Um, reg, reg, thanks to democracy and not uh, despite democracy. So, um, I mean, that, that is very, very debatable because somehow people, individuals, um, want uh, to have a say and there will be social upheaval if there's continued repression. Um, as, as Advocate Kerr said uh, earlier, you know, maybe if I could just say something about this notion of responsible journalism, um, which was mentioned earlier. Uh, I think uh, definitely freedom of, the, of expression and, and then the media is, is one of the cornerstones of democracy. But the media in many African countries have been accused of being irresponsible. Um, I think often linked to a lack of capacity rather than deliberately wanting to sabotage 
the democratic process yeah. Yeah, or um, uh, the, the nation building process. One has seen this in, in many African countries lately, that it's purely, it, there is irresponsible journalism, um, but it is often because the journalism being practiced isn't done by real journalists. Um, the overall picture when we look at freedom of expression is definitely that it's regimes that are putting journalists in prison and are being guilty of uh, repressing freedom of speech rather than the media itself being guilty of irresponsible journalism, I think. Oh, uh, I think uh, I'll have to let Dr. Puleng Lenkabula uh, go. But before we let you go, Dr. Lenkabula, in terms of uh, uh, the new plight from the electorate, in terms of uh, joblessness, unemployment, those are the main issues that are coming to the forefront in uh, today's uh, governance on the continent. How do we deal with that? And what should we be expecting from our governments today? Uh, I, I think it's imperative for citizens to expect uh, states and governments to ensure that their fundamental rights, citizens' rights, and, and the requisite developmental agenda is ascertained. I think it's also important uh, to understand that uh, the, 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 the plethora of institutions within Africa and African leaders have to a large extent instituted measures that uh, were attempting to ensure that development in, in Africa and in South Africa is a reality. If you take, for instance, the education levels or qualifications levels, the development trajectory uh, 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 agenda that were instituted immediately after the decolonization processes, you would see that the social contract as an agenda of enhancing the quality of life wasn't changed. And it, is, it would be imprudent for us as Africans to also not recognize the role of multilateral agencies such as the World Bank, the World Trade Organization, the, 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 the IMF, which were instrumental to the reforms that to a large extent is, uh, disabled some progressive African leadership in entrenching uh, 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 the successes of their societies. However, as Africans also, we need not be uh, uh, not accountable by also not stating that there, there were other African leaders who did not ensure that the quality of life, the entrenchment of infrastructure, development, education, health and wellness, and also the, 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 the ensuring that uh, fundamental rights were received uh, were there. There were leaders who ensured that those happened, that those who... And I want to also refer to what uh, one of the panelists has said. Yes, if you look at the discourse of rights, if you look at the discourse of development when it is associated with Africa, you will recognize that the economic, uh, the GDP will be high, but the quality of life will be something that's not comparable. And I think what a development discourse or human rights discourse in Africa should be about is how do we bridge the discord or the dissonance between the development agenda and human rights because none of them should be should eclipse the other but they should speak in coherent ways such that development is without human rights as you're making the comparison 
with Asia, where you have large multinationals growing up, but the human rights discourse is submerged. For me, I think what we have to articulate, especially for those of us who, 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 who live in this continent, is that we must ensure that economic development is comparable or accompanies the requisite development, human development issues that societies require in South Africa and in the world. And the service, uh, service delivery expressions, others argue, are expressions about uh, economic issues. Sometimes there may be a, 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 a protest against the inability for uh, the representative democracy to find expression at a local level. And those are some of the issues. How do we translate the type of democracy in our society to the requisite developmental challenges that our society face? Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lenkabula, for joining us here on African Dialogue on Channel Africa. We appreciate your contribution. Thank you, thank you very much. Well, uh, that will leave me with you, Lisa Lowe and uh, Advocate Johan Kruger, in terms of uh, looking at this uh, uh, question again. I'm, com- I'm going to come back to this question. Is democracy working in Africa? Let's sum it up with that particular question. Lisa, is democracy working in Africa? Yes, I think democracy has come a long way. We are in a process of democratization, And uh, although there are many stumbling blocks in terms of the institutions of democracy, uh, we we see a great number of elections across the continent that have been free and fair and where there's a real change of regime. Um, And hopefully that that trend will continue because um, there is almost no turning back and the world is moving towards a more democratic system. People, individuals are connected they can. Uh, they have cable television and cell phones, and uh, individuals in Africa know when their rights have been taken away and uh, and when they are not being properly governed. So, governments who think that they can get away with uh, uh, oppression and uh, uh, you know um, taking away people's freedom of expression. They can't get away with it anymore. So if there is no democracy, there will be more and more um, civil protest and and mass uprising and service delivery protests, as we've seen in South Africa. And in terms of your views, uh, uh, Advocate Johan Kruger, uh, as we wrap it up, it seems like human rights is central. And if you abuse this particular element, human rights, then uh, you are actually hampering the process of democracy. And we know that on the continent, human rights is an issue, an area that we're not very uh, good at. How do we actually answer this question with this challenge? Is democracy working in Africa? Well, your first question with regard to human rights, yes, and, and that's, it's a matter enshrined in our constitution in South Africa. Human rights is certainly the cornerstone of our democracy. We cannot speak of a constitutional democracy based on rule of law uh, without having the, the Bill of Rights as the very foundation upon which this democracy is being built. That, that's the one. The, the, the other point in, in that uh, in conclusion for me would be, in, in our opinion, where democracy is not working in Africa, whether it's in South Africa or anywhere else, there's usually two components that, that, that's to blame. The one is integrity of leadership, and the other one is complacency of voters or uninformed voters. And in some cases, a combination of two. 
where you have leadership questions of, of integrity and, and leaders forgetting that they're actually representing the people and serving the people and not the other way around, not the people serving them. You quite often see democracy failing, not because of democracy per se, but because of the people who are supposed to be upholding democracy. On the other hand, where you have voters that become complacent and just vote for representatives and then sit back and wait for five years for representatives to unfold the democratic environment around them, or you have uninformed voters who keep on voting and keep on voting for individuals knowing that the life conditions won't improve, you end up with a failed democratic environment. And that's not for democracy to be blamed, but for the people who are supposed to be upholding democracy. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lisa Lowe uh, Vorum, for joining us, and Advocate Johan Kruger for this particular discussion today. My pleasure. Fantastic. What are your views? We want to hear from you, the ordinary listener, the ordinary African, in terms of uh, your views. Is democracy working in Africa? Plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. You can also tweet us at Channel Africa One. That's at Channel Africa One, as well as uh, at African Dialogue. Now it's time for us to move on. It's almost eleven forty-five Central African time. And uh, it's time for us to get our business news. Wisani Matebula is standing by. Well, it's time for us to go. Thank you for joining us for our one-hour program, African Dialogue. Remember, it comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. Interact with us via Facebook. It's Channel Africa. We've got a Channel Africa page there. And uh, you can also uh, talk to us via Twitter. And uh, you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1 or SMS us your views on plus 27-823-325-905. Remember, our question for today is, is democracy working in Africa? But I have to wrap up the program, but I can't leave before I give you that proverb. And uh, today's proverb is from the Bondi people. And yes, the Bondi people are an ethnic group based in the Usambara Mountains of Tanga region in northeastern Tanzania. Now, they have wisdom because they have this proverb, and I like it. It says, sticks in a bundle are unbreakable. Sticks in a bundle are are unbreakable. Now, maybe you should think about that and think about what it means, especially for us as a continent. Are we as unified as we should be? Now, let's wrap it up. That's all from me, Benjamin Mushatama, from today. Until tomorrow, God bless.